Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Smoke Salmon. The secret is in the fire. It is time for our Tightline Outdoors segment. Nate is somewhere deep in the woods chasing elk, so joining us to talk some fishing is Matt Ansley. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing good, and I was thinking about it. I'm going to talk about this later in the show, that I used to do so much hunting myself in the fall, and I'd almost forget to go fishing, and it is some of the best most spectacular fishing of the year. It's some of the nicest time to be up there, out there. And it, during as I got older and busier, I had to make choices. And I put the shotgun and the rifle away pretty much. I still do some shooting and hunting, but not as much. And really concentrated on the fall fishing. It's, and I know you're going to talk about what's going on out there right now. But not only is it great fishing, but the crowds go away. And it's such a great time to be out, Matt. You're absolutely correct. Fall is uh, my two favorite times are fall and spring of the year. Uh, as water temperatures begin to change, it activates the, the predator fish, and, and uh, they feed up aggressively, particularly in the fall. As the fry of the year, the shad uh, schools begin to die off, that fluttering action to the bottom, they just key in on that. And you were talking about the Johnny Darter, wraps, uh, blade baits, all of those jigging techniques uh, begin to work uh, very well this time of year. Oh, without question. And, you know, the other reason I like fall and spring, much like you do, you know, I love summer, especially bass fishing, because once the bass settle into their summer patterns, I have about six to eight weeks where I can really pattern them doing the same thing, and I don't have to put a lot of thought. I know where they're going to be. I can go out and go after them, and if I can't get them on one presentation, I can tweak it. But Spring and fall, whether it's walleyes or big bass or smallmouth or crappies or catfish, it's just more big fish are vulnerable. You're absolutely correct. It's been an amazing fall so far. Uh, it's been mild. Water temperatures are still quite warm, considering that uh, we're moving into the latter part of October. Most of our lakes, the, the larger lakes, obviously will hold their temperature longer, but uh, water temperatures are still just below 60, high 50s in some of the bigger lakes and uh, some of the smaller uh, lakes, 55, 54. So that's extremely warm temperatures, and uh, I'm still using, uh, I guess you would call it summertime patterns up until about a week ago. We were catching fish on buzz baits, uh, still catching fish on spinner baits, chatter baits, uh, moving baits, uh, fishing uh, around the edge in the littoral zone where the fry of the year and the bait fish hide prior to the temperatures plummeting, and then they'll move deep. Now, are you seeing, because we've had some awfully cool nights, it's going to be cool tonight again, is it starting to change? What lakes in particular have you been looking at, and are we starting to see that change take place now? Yes. Uh, since that last, uh, or the only snowstorm we've had, uh, the temperatures have dropped three degrees in most of the bodies of water, and the change has begun. You know, lakes that have grass in them, I, I love fishing uh, the remnants of the grass this time of year, the, the fish in the summertime, you mentioned summertime fishing, grass beds are at their strength. The fish hide in them. The bait fish are there. Uh, everything from, you know, baby bass, baby fry, perch, shad, you name it, uh, shrimp, they're all crawdads buried in those grass beds, and it's sometimes very difficult to get a, a bait into the grass bed and uh, in front of a fish. 
right now, most of those grass beds are about half to, you know, two-thirds gone, and the fry are moving right to the to the bank just prior to the temperatures plummeting. And you can throw baits. Literally, we're throwing uh, spinner baits, chatter baits, uh, jerk baits right on the bank and pulling it into the water. The water will boil where the, the predator fish are just sitting there uh, waiting for those fry to come out. Uh, and that, that has begun to change. Some of the fish are beginning to move deeper as those grass beds die. Uh, but it's still going on. I was out yesterday and uh, caught three very nice fish uh, fishing right in the grass in two foot of water. Now, I know that um, Ronnie Castiglione is going to join us, and he does some later on in the show, and he does some very uh, similar things this time of the year, especially as the water is dropping and, and running out of those. That's another factor that does take effect to it. Not only the temperatures dropping, but typically this time of the year, the water levels are dropping a little bit too. Uh, the lake I was fishing yesterday, it's down six, eight feet in uh, water level from the summer peak. So, yes, that, that has a bearing on it, too. It exposes the grass beds, and they die a lot, a lot quicker. Now, if you, why don't you, let's, we're going to have a beautiful weekend. The Broncos are playing tomorrow night, and we're going to have some beautiful days early in the week. Why don't you kind of take a couple bodies of water that if somebody wants to get out for a day, maybe near the metropolitan area or anywhere, as long as it's not a two-day drive, I guess, how, how you would approach something today. And, of course, they can always get guide trips with you guys. But let's just say they're heading out. Somewhere they might go today or tomorrow, but where they might also go next week. Sure. I'll start with some of our walleye lakes. If you're going to target walleye, uh, let's take Aurora, for example, uh, you're in the change period where they'll, they're will they beginning to move extremely deep, but you can still catch fish early morning, late evening, right on top of the main lake points, throwing jerk baits. Um, I think one of the largest fish uh, of the season just recently uh, was caught out there off the dam with a jerk bait. It was 12 pounds. So starting early and, and late in the day, low light periods, go right to the bank over the remaining grass beds and throw uh, a jerk bait. Uh, if you move off to the edge of the uh, grass beds, you can throw uh, blade baits and jigging wraps and follow them, follow them all the way out. Later, in the, also the nightcrawler bite uh, out at Aurora is still going using a bottom bouncer, slow death hook, or uh, you know just a single hook. Um, Lindy rig type setup in a little deeper water in the 20 to 30 foot range. Uh, at Chatfield, um, if you're going to Chatfield, um, you want to throw jigging wraps, blade baits on on humps and transition areas that drop off into deeper water. The road beds out there are extremely uh, popular and hold quite a few fish. Uh, Chatfield has a tremendous population that has exploded since the flood of two years ago and tons of 12 to 16-inch fish and uh, some nice keepers mixed in. You'll catch a lot of numbers out there. Also, the uh, the bottom bouncer nightcrawler setup is also still working because the water temperatures are still in the 50s. Uh, once uh, it gets down the low 50s, that'll change. That's what I was just going to ask you. Typically what I see is once you get start approaching 50 degrees, that nightcrawler bite kind of shuts down. Not that a fish won't need a nightcrawler year-round, but it really is you can spend a lot of time without much productivity. Correct. Yeah, it, it's all water uh, dependent on water temperature uh, as to when it totally transitions to the jig bite. And uh, it, it, the reason for that is the bait fish have to begin to die and stress, 
And when that happens, they key in on those dying bait fish, and then the jigging pattern is just awesome. Well, people think that trout get focused on a bug. You get walleyes and smallmouth and crappies and catfish focused on those dying bait fish, and they're every bit as focused. They just don't want anything else that, unless it kind of triggers that same instinct because it's such an easy meal, it's high protein, it's available to them. But that becomes really, you start to really depend on your electronics, don't you? Yes. You actually, uh, I call it TV fishing or locator fishing. You actually mark the fish. You see them on the bottom or relating to the bottom, the schools of walleye and perch, and uh, you jig straight down under the boat or a short cast away from the boat and work it back to the boat, and they will just whack those uh, darters and also the jigging wraps as well as blade baits. What about the bass? You've been talking mostly walleyes. My experience has been... The smallmouth can act a lot like the walleyes as far as chasing that bait. The largemouth will at times, but if there's other alternatives, they may be in a little different place. Yeah, the the, the largemouth will try and remain as shallow as they can uh, until the water temperatures plummet. And I've been just killing largemouth at Quincy Reservoir uh, using chatterbaits and spinnerbaits. I had one client uh, on October 1st, I posted a video the gentleman had uh, the largest stringer of the year. It was in the 20-plus pound range of five fish that uh, were all over four pounds, and his kicker fish was in the six-pound range. So uh, all of that was on a chatterbait in two feet of water. Now, uh, they're up there chasing those uh, fry minnows perch, uh, which w- was in the grass bed, but as those grass beds die, I can't tell you uh, how important it is to fish shallow uh, for the largemouth right now. And how long is Quincy open to boating? Uh, Quincy and Spinney close the end of October, so we only have a short period of time here, a few weeks, to get in on some of this action. Oh, you're absolutely right. Anything else you're seeing around? we got a couple minutes. Anything else you want to kind of bring people up to speed on as far as some bites? Are you seeing much trout activity on the front range? Yeah, the Spinney has just been crazy. Will and Nate both have been up there fishing for trout, Jerk baits and chatter baits, again, extremely shallow water on the bank, two, three feet of water, working the baits through the grass. It can be frustrating, but when you hit the grass, just rip the bait, and uh, you go to rip it, and they just hammer it as you pull those baits uh, free from the grass. You know, and some of the kinds of fishing we've been talking about, and the, the glide baits like the jigging wrap and the Johnny Darter and some of those may change this a little. But when we used to chase these almost exclusively with jigging spoons, which, by the way, is still a fantastic presentation for this time of the year, I think people had a tough time looking at that piece of metal, Matt, because we've got such, our crankbaits are so painted and sophisticated. Our softbaits feel alive. It was hard for the angler to get confidence in these just hard pieces of metal. Right, but it's hard, you know, once the fish move deep and our next front that we have, which usually occurs Halloween, you could up the week of Halloween, you can count on it, uh, it will plummet those temperatures another three degrees, and that's when that transition will be complete. And they'll move in 20, 40, 50 feet of water. And at that point, trying to get a crankbait or almost any other bait other than a, a jigging wrap, a darter, a blade bait, or a uh, Spoons, and I'm glad you mentioned spoons because one of our best lakes in the state for using spoons is Pueblo, and they still produce aggressively. They would produce here, but most of the people in the metro area 
follow the crowd, throw that jigging ramp, throw that blade bait, and uh, and they're having success with it. So I can't knock that. But uh, I, that, I'm a know. big proponent of spoons. I make a lot of them myself. And I go to Pueblo the month of November. Look out. That's a great lake to fish using spoons. Well, I was just going to bring up a couple of the points you just brought up. Number one is, you know, we used to catch these fish on jigging spoons and at an incredible rate, and big fish too. They didn't quit reacting to jigging spoons. It's just the more popular presentation, maybe something a little different or maybe something that somebody's caught on to. The, the raps, the Johnny darters, and some of that is the rage right now. It was it kind of went from jigging spoons to blade baits to the to the glide baits, but all three of them are still incredible presentations, and I keep all three in my tackle box. And you mentioned Pueblo. I've fished Pueblo all winter long at times, although I don't like fishing when the fish get like 80 to 100 feet deep because you don't know if you're going to get a keeper, and it's almost impossible to release them at that point. But Pueblo, I, um, I did the original research for In Fisherman's walleye critical concept books on walleyes on Pueblo. I did a television show using the jigging spoons with um, Tom Bruno, who was uh, a professional walleye trail fisherman at the time. That's on my Facebook page right now. If you go to my Facebook page and scroll down, I put it, I had Karen post it. I said, I like I do the work, Matt, right? But, (laughs) But I had Karen post it on the Facebook page just to show, you know, we're finding them on the electronics and you couldn't have hit the nail on the head better than Pueblo Reservoir, because the, the boat ramps are going to stay open. You've got a number of species of fish that will go after these baits. And it, it's if you want to go out and learn to do this and have success, I can't think of a better lake. Absolutely. I have fished Pueblo all the way up to Christmas uh, with jigging spoons. It is my favorite technique down there. Uh, it's a canyon lake. It's, uh, you know, a lot of rock, a lot of shale rock. So, you know, with a uh, single hook or with a treble hook on a spoon, you don't hang up as much as you might with a jigging wrap, which has hooks all over it. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. And I, I'm going to get back to the point you made, too, about it being TV fishing. If you try fishing jigging spoons and you're not seeing fish on your electronics, you're going to go home with a sore arm and not too many fish. Uh, I say move. If you're not seeing them on the locator, move, because they're there. you just got to move around to find the schools, because they will be tightly packed. They're not spread out over an entire area. They'll be on one particular spot, typically where you find shad balls or shad schools or bait, uh, in the case of perch lakes, uh, balled up, and you'll find the walleye right below them. You're absolutely right. Matt, we're out of time. If people want to book a trip with you guys at Tightline, how do they do that? Go to Tightline Outdoors, our website. You can give us a call uh, at the phone number uh, that's listed there, and we'll be glad to set you up with a guide trip. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Great information, as always. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Thanks, Matt. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. To you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. It is time for our Ask the Expert segment, and today's uh, today's question. By the way, I'm having trouble, guys, bringing. Will, all right, got it. I wanted it. Will Dykes was going to be our expert, and I had trouble on the phones. Today's question is is from Bud in Commerce City, and he goes, "Hi Terry, looking to fish Taylor Reservoir October 20th and 22nd." No boats, so we'll be bank fishing. Any suggestions as to the lure type location on the reservoir? Now, as much as I would like to pretend 
that I'm an expert on every body of water in Colorado, really haven't fished Taylor very much. So joining me, somebody who has spent some time on that water and will be our expert from Tightline Outdoors, Will Dykstra. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Terry. How are we doing today? We're doing good. I would think you're probably out on the water somewhere today. I am. I am. I'm actually sitting on the roadbed out here at Chatfield. We're throwing some jigging wraps and and blades around today and uh, enjoying this nice uh, fall weather we got. Well, I'll try to get a report if we have time when we're done. But let's get to our question. I know you used to fish Taylor a lot. And if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but Taylor's got great trout populations. Obviously, they come up the river. It's famous in its tailwaters. Uh, it's got lake trout, pike, and uh, that, probably those are the main species. Yeah, you know, those are those are the main species that you're going to see at Taylor Park Reservoir. And, you know, this time of year and that weekend, um, the 21st and 22nd, um, on the calendar for me over the years, especially growing up, we spent a lot of time fishing a lot of those high mountain lake trout lakes this time of year. Um, so, you know, a place like uh, Taylor Park Reservoir, is gonna, you're going to have opportunities to catching a lot of those fish that are starting to spawn, coming into spawn. So we're talking about a lot of lake trout, and we're talking um, a ton of a ton of really nice browns come up out of the lake. And uh, the two places that I focus on, you know, if I'm bank fishing, if I'm confined to fishing from the shore, um, I'm going to spend the majority of my time targeting either lake trout or brown trout um, this time of year. You can also target pike, and we'll kind of talk about what we would do um, you know, from both sides or from all three of those species, but for the most part, you know, as far as those browns go this time of year, you know, they're gearing up for the spawn. They're starting to run into the inlets, both Willow Creek and, um, Texas Creek are going to have some really nice browns coming in there. And, you know, so what I typically am doing is I'm throwing a four to six inch floating jerk bait. You know, my favorite over the years has been that, um, four and a half to five inch floating, uh, Rapala and just a so, you know, that black and white color has been a really good producer. And basically, you're just working these baits, you know, power fishing with the jerk bait, essentially, um, you know, at the mouth where the where the river's um, dumping into the lake. And you can even walk up into the into those creeks and catch some really nice fish. You know, you look at these these streams that are, you know, 30, 40 feet wide at the most in some of these places, and you have a chance of catching a five to seven pound brown out of there out of these, these small creeks just because they're running up the, up there to spawn right now. So, I, I, th- I think, Will, a lot of people, when they're fishing trout, get afraid to throw a jerkbait that big, but that shouldn't be the case, should it? Absolutely not. You know, and, and this you know this time of year, I mean, you'll catch a lot of 14 to 16-inch fish on that size of bait, too. Um, you know, so you're not weeding out opportunity just to try to catch a big fish. You're still going to catch numbers of, of fish whether they're, you know, 12 to 14 inches or that 16 to 18, even upwards of that 20 to 24 inch range. So, um, you know, and I'd say that's pretty much indicative just about any of these high mountain lakes that have browns in them, you know, focusing on those inlet areas, you're going to catch a lot of nice browns. What about the lake trout now? Go ahead. Yeah. You know, as far as the lake trout go, you're going to focus on a lot of those rockier areas. Um, the stuff that's kind of, um, towards the dam from the, uh, the general store there, or the, the, the marinas, you can go throw, you know, tube jigs are probably one of my favorite Laker baits. And you and we use those basically year-round for Lakers. But uh, you can do the same thing we talked about with the trout with a, with a big floating jerk bait or a suspending jerk bait and catch a lot of those fish. These fish are staging to spawn or starting to spawn, and which means that they're going to be aggressive. So you have a chance of catching a lot of these fish that are coming in shallow. But I always do best focusing on those kind of rocky, boulder-like shorelines uh, where those fish are going to be stacked in. So 
as far as the lake trout go, focus on, you know, throwing something, moving it quick. Uh, you know, for me personally, I don't catch a lot of lake trout in the fall, especially from the bank, fishing slow. And uh, something else you don't want to overlook is actually casting close to, as close to parallel to the shoreline as you possibly can and fishing those, you know, basically fishing parallel to the shoreline up, up each side. Um, you can catch a lot of fish because they're actually – when they are feeding, they're trapping, you know, small trout or suckers up against the bank. So that's kind of the bread and butter tactic for me. We're talking about chasing lake trout from the shore. Now, one thing, a point I want to make, and I I give people the same pointer at Granby, I like to use a lot of the same baits you do, uh, really go into those baits. But a lot of times from shore, especially if you're not an adept angler, casting a spoon, because you can get some distance on your cast, whether it's along the shore or out, and you can fish it at a pretty good pace, can really be effective, too. Absolutely. And that's, a you know, again, the, the spoon, that's something we talk about, especially, you know, in the guide business, is it's a cast and reel type of lure that doesn't take a whole lot of technique or perfection. And if it's something where you're just getting into it, you know, always having something like you know, for years we caught fish on that kind of gold and orange uh, crocodile spoon or a, uh, you know, a large cast master, that style of spoon. You know, you're just casting and reeling and mixing in some pops and some jerks here and there. And, uh, you know, again, it's mimicking something that's in every body of water, and that's some kind of minnow. So Now, for people, we've got a couple minutes left. For people who are listening and say, okay, that's great from the bank. Can I still get a boat on Taylor? And if I can, how would you approach it differently from a boat? You know, I want to say that I believe Taylor has closed uh, to boating for the year. Um, so if you're going to be fishing from, uh, you know, some of the, if you're able to get a float tube on or a hand launch like a kayak or something, um, you know, I'd focus, you know, this is where the pike do come into play this time of year. And you can even catch pike from the shore. But, um, again, if you, you know, the vertical jigging for the lake trout uh, will work along those rocky shorelines. But for me personally, like I said, I like throwing stuff that's working quick. Um, as far as, you know, a float tube for pike, you can fish a lot of those areas in front of a, in front of bull point. There's a big, deep weed line there that usually is just stacked up with fish. Um, but a lot like we talk about with our South Park fish, Terry, is these fish, this is super clear water, and these fish... Um, have a lot a lot of food to eat in there so i highly suggest not using steel leaders if you're targeting pike up there i would you know throw something like a 12 to 15 pound fluorocarbon leader and tie directly to your bait like that uh as far as that goes but um focus you know on the weedy areas for the pike focus on you know and it's the same thing if you're going to be in a boat focus on any place where there's structure change a lot of those points a lot of those drop-offs and again those inlet areas because of the, the creek channel you know, I'd try to set up on those if you're fishing from a boat or from a kayak or from a, a float tube. All right. Before I let you go, um, we've answered the question, and uh, Bud is going to get a a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse just for sending that question to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Gmail. Send your question in. If we answer it on the air, you get a $25 gift card. We'll take any outdoor question. But I got to ask you, you're on Chatfield right now. There's a lot of people looking. The Broncos don't play till tomorrow night. Um, how is the bite? You know what? The bite is um, we're kind of in that kind of fall transition, and we're seeing a lot of fish stacked up on structures. So, you know, the roadbeds, like, as usual, are really good. Basically, the, the around the tops of the pits have been really good. You know, basically, we're doing the, the fall spooning type of bite, jigging wraps, blade baits, um, you know, slab spoons or catching fish. And uh, 
for those of you that are fishing from the shore in the evening hours and into dark, throwing jerk baits from the shoreline a lot, especially in those rocky areas, uh, you know, you have a chance of catching a really big fish. Uh, our South Park bite right now is absolutely on fire. We're catching a lot of trout in that 22 to 26 inch range. We actually had one this past week, um, two actually that, that surpassed the 10 pound mark, a uh, big cut bow. So that bites, uh, going really good. And, uh, the, the pike fishing, you know, those pike are kind of in a transition right now, but if you're targeting pike, throwing big suspending jerk baits with long pauses has been the ticket and uh, also throwing some swim baits. But it's typical fall in Colorado, Terry. It's our favorite time of year to really target big fish, and it's a chance to catch some fish with some weight that are piling on for the wintertime. Oh, you're absolutely right. Well, if people want to book a trip, tightlineoutdoors.com. Tightlineoutdoors.com. You can find us on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, we, we try to keep everybody up to, ba- up, up to date on what the bite is as well. So. All right. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for being our expert today. Absolutely. Use that term loosely with me, would you? So. <laughs> hey, you're a great resource, all you guys are. Thanks, Will. All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Will Dykstra from Tightline Outdoors. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports. Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Lord number 3030. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. I want to uh, cover a few points that we've been kind of alluding to during the show before we get back to another guest. And one is this time of the year. You know, this time of the year in Colorado, we've got big game hunting, small game hunting. We've got uh, some of the best fly fishing, as you've heard, some great conventional fishing. We've got waterfall season. We've got upland game starting. Very difficult sometimes to choose what you want to do or try to split your time between all of them. Tough situation, right? We try to keep you really appraised of everything in the outdoors. Now, I can't possibly, as much as I'd like to think that I can be, I can't be the expert on every situation, every question that you have. That's why we have contributors like Will, who was just on doing our Ask the Expert segment. By the way, that's a tremendous way for you to get your um, your outdoor questions answered. How that works is you send your outdoor question to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at gmail.com, and it can be fishing, hunting, camping, hiking. It can be outdoor clothing, boots, Gore-Tex suits. It can be outdoor cooking. It could be anything really outdoors. If we choose to answer your question on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse just for sending it in. So we want to we keep you involved in that. We really do. So, so send your questions in. It helps us with programming too. And speaking about programming, I said I can't be the expert on everything. Um, I, my biggest concentration anymore is fishing. I used to do a lot of hunting and shooting. I still do some. And we try to really stay on top of those. But we bring in other experts. And that's why you want to follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Because right now, like we had a tackle talk earlier in the show. That question is going to come up on Facebook, okay? So you're going to be able to, you're going to, be able to see or hear that podcast. And speaking of ways you can follow us, you know, if you go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, what you find is that you get you get um, links to my podcasts, the important ones. You'd find out that coming up in just next week, the director of Parks and Wildlife is going to be on with us, and you'd you'd find out that uh, 
that we're going to be broadcasting at a remote in a couple of weeks. All these things are on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And then we put a link on Facebook to my column in the Denver Post that I write every week. So it kind of keeps you up on the topics we're covering. And that's always tied to a podcast. And we, every time we, every time we um, put a new, uh, a new TV show up on YouTube is but there. So Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and Facebook is really the way to follow us and stay up on what's going on with Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So join us there. Before we do go to a break, though, I want to go to the phones. And joining us is one of our favorite sponsors. These people have been a sponsor of mine for, gosh, it's got to be going on a decade now. And the reason they are is not because they're generous people or not because they pay me, but because they make an incredible product, and I can't say enough about it. And joining us from uh, Honey Smoked Fish is is uh, Skylar Mason. Good morning, Skylar. Good morning, Terry. I'll tell you what. You know, it's easy for me to promote you guys, Skylar. I talked about it earlier in the show. I, I had to share a secret that this morning my belt was a little tighter than normal, which means I got to start behaving but that means I can enjoy more honey-smoked fish, the salmon, because it's such a healthy food. Absolutely. The fact that it's a, a diabetic-friendly product, um, no sugar ever added to the salmon, because the honey's actually in the firing system, not on the salmon. Uh, gluten-free, certified kosher. It's uh, rich, rich in omega-3s. It's such a healthy, nutritional product. And like you said, it tastes so good. Oh, it's just, you know... The problem I have, and I, you guys need to start coming on and giving more of the recipes like are on your website. The problem, and I use it in recipes. I make a spread. I use it in omelets. I use it in salads. I use it in pastas. I just love it. But the biggest problem I have with it is that I eat too much of it while I'm trying to prepare the food. Absolutely. And we're, you know, we love to help our customers out and provide um, the recipes to be able to incorporate using our honey smoked salmon. But the best chef is yourself, is the customer and themselves. And what we're really trying to promote is a superfood ingredient to upscale any dish. So when you already have your secret famous um, recipes that you already make, or whether it's a to-go salad, or all you want to do is upscale a baked potato, use the fresh honey-smoked salmon to upscale any dish. Where can they find it, Skylar? Finding Costco, Sam's Club, Safeway, King Supers, and Sprouts. Hey, thank you so much. And the product is just phenomenal. It's always in my refrigerator. Thank you. Remember, the secret's in the fire. You bet. Thanks, Skylar. Terry okay. Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. Um, it, the secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. We're going to go right to the phones. Joining us, as he does every other week at this time, Ronnie Castiglione. And, Ronnie, we've been talking a lot about fishing because it's one of those times of the year when, you know, a lot of people are hunting, a lot of people have quit for the year. But, boy, if you're out there, there's some great opportunities. But it is a transition time, and I, and I know this is the time of the year when you really flourish. It's one of your favorite times. So I want to make sure we get your take on what's going on out there. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. Fall is one of my favorite times of the year. There's no doubt about it. And it's definitely the opportunity in the time of year where you can get out there and, and maybe catch the biggest fish you're going to catch all year this time of year. But one thing that anglers have to keep in mind, especially right now, Terry, because, you know, we're not really into late fall at this point. The water temperatures haven't really dropped very low yet. Uh, the weather's changing dramatically from day to day. Conditions are changing dramatically from day to day. So as an angler, it's very important that we, you know, keep an open mind on any given day 
and adapt to conditions as they change. You know, they can definitely change from one day to the next, Terry, but they can also change from one hour to the next on any given day. And if you get stuck doing one thing, you know, if you if you think you can come back to the lake and catch fish the way you caught them uh, the last time you were on the lake, if conditions are completely different, Terry, you may not be able to catch those fish. So you kind of got to have an open mind, and you got to run through a variety of presentations and adapt to the conditions, Terry, on any given day. If you go about your, you know, doing that, then you're going to be more successful than if you kind of get focused on one particular thing, Terry. Well, I know, and you and I have fished together a number of times in the boat, and we've been out, and, you know, if you go out in the spring, it's very much like the fall, except the way conditions change are different, but they change. You know, I, I everybody used to say they hate the dog days of summer. Well, as an ex-tournament bass fisherman, I used to love those because the fish I found at the end of July were doing the same, th- and same thing at the end of June and through about an eight-week period. I mean, there'd be some change, but I pretty much knew where to go get them. This time of the year, you're right. You know, this would be a great time, Ronnie, if you took that fishing app from Colorado Parks and Wildlife and started keeping a log of what, you were experiencing, but make sure you put the water temperature in there, right? Yeah, water temperature is very, very important. The other thing that I really kind of track this time of year is I'm looking at those cold fronts as they're coming and going, Terry, and I'm paying attention to the barometer a lot this time of year as well. Um, I personally, as we get into fall, I really like to get out as the barometer falls. Um, when we have low pressure approaching or we're sitting under low pressure, it tends to be that the bite is really, really good in the fall when you have low pressure. Uh, it may move the bait fish a lot shallower on any given day, and that brings the predators shallower as well. Um, when we get those post-cold front days and you get those really bright kind of bluebird days and you get those high, bright sun and not a lot of clouds, well, those are really cool conditions to be out in, Terry. You know, it feels like, oh, this is great out here. But a lot of times the fishing can be really, really tough in the fall when conditions are like that. So, you know, it's important to pay attention to those kind of things. I'm also looking at the wind a lot this time of year, Terry. I want to know if the wind's going to be blowing, uh, what direction the wind's going to be blowing. If the wind was blowing all night long, I want to know what direction it was coming from. Uh, Wind will definitely move fish around, and there's that common belief, you know, that wind will kind of blow the bait into a particular area of the lake. Uh, It's not necessarily that it's blowing the bait around, but it may be blowing some of the other food that's in the water column around, some of the plankton and whatnot. It also is definitely going to, you know, cause a particular bank to maybe form a mud line or something like that this time of year. And so knowing which direction the wind was blowing can definitely affect where I'm going to go fish on any given day, Terry. So, you know, I turn into kind of an amateur weatherman this time of year, Terry, as I'm trying to plan my trips. And a lot of it is just kind of paying attention to that. That way I have a good idea when I get to the lake, where am I going to start off? What am I going to look for? But on any given day, Terry, things can be dramatically different. Electronics are going to be really, really key this time of year, especially if the bait fish aren't showing themselves on top. You really got to utilize those electronics. You got to get out there and you got to scan around. Use those fancy side scans if you have them to locate those balls of bait or to look to see which bank on the lake maybe that bait is blown up to. And those are going to be the areas I'm going to focus on this time of year, Terry, no doubt about it. I got a couple points I want to make that I want to get your opinion on. Um, sure. You talked about this time of the year, you know, the cold fronts and the, the frontage, fronts coming in. And we both know that typically during the entire year, um, the uh, front coming in, a frontal condition, prefrontal, usually you find the fish more active in those bluebird days, just like you said, make them tougher. But there's another thing I think that happens in the fall that doesn't happen as much, certainly in the spring, but it doesn't happen in the summer as much either. 
And if you can find a lake where the water is cooling three or four degrees colder than maybe the lakes around you, and you get that front come through and you have that bluebird day, uh, I know you. we both like to target shallow fish whenever we can because they're easier to catch. So we, they're up there feeding. But if, if you really have that post-frontal condition with those blue skies, that's the day to find that lake that maybe is a little colder, that maybe the bait fish have been stressed a little bit because those deep fish aren't going to be as affected by that. Yeah, absolutely. And along with those lines, um, you know, on any given day, Terry, I'm going to try to judge whether or not I'm going to be fishing vertically or horizontally. Um, And conditions are definitely going to affect that. On those real bright, calm days where the sun's out, midday, it may be tough to get a fish to bite horizontally. Uh, Real early in the morning and real late in the evening, you're always going to have those low-light conditions. So on even those real bright, sunny, post-frontal days, you still at times can get up there right before the sun really gets up, and you're going to have a feed happening right there. Um, So you, you can take advantage of that. If the day is bright and sunny and there's not really any wind to speak of and that kind of a thing, then it is a good opportunity, just like you're talking about, as far as getting on top of fish and vertically dropping to them. And one of the reasons that is good that time of day is, yes, those fish aren't as affected because they're down there deep, but it also affects the boat that you may be on a lot less as well because you're not blowing around and bouncing around in the wind of the lakes trying to hold your position, trying to do anything like that. You know, with clients, Terry, I, I get clients out on the boat and inevitably this time of year i'm teaching people how to fish vertically a lot and i get a lot of inexperienced clients on the boats and there's a few things as far as just a little bit of technical things as far as being able to drop the fish vertically that new anglers or unexperienced anglers struggle with Uh, the guys that have done it for years and years are always really good at it but the new guys always struggle with certain particular things terry um and so a couple of those things, Terry, real fast, is, is one thing that a lot of people struggle with is, is how do you get that presentation down to that depth you're looking at? Let's say you're seeing a fish or a returns or a ball of bait or something 30, 40 feet deep. And so now, okay, it seems real simple, right? Just flip the bail over and let the lure fall next to the boat. But, you know, there's a little bit of a technique that you have to do there as far as how to rip that line off the reel in order for that to be effective. What I find clients do a lot of times is they just want to flip the bail over and just let the weight of the lure pull the line off the reel as it's falling through the water column. That's not really what I want them to do a lot of times, Terry. And so what I end up teaching them is that, no, what you want to do is you want to, you know, initially start with your rod real, real high and then follow that lure down with the rod chip, with the bale closed as that lure is falling. And that may be for eight or 10 feet, depending on a few things. And then once your rod is kind of pointed down at the water, Terry, and now you need to get more line out, you reach down, you flip the bale over, and you vertically lift your rod real, real quick in order to rip that 10 feet of line back off the reel real fast. You shut the bale over back now that your rod's pointed up high, and you lower your rod with the lure as it falls. That way you stay in contact with it. That way you keep slack from building up and getting on the spool. And that way you're also not having problems as far as twist and things like that happening when you're doing that, Terry. Plus, you're in contact with it so you can feel a strike on the fall. And a lot of times the strike does come on the fall, Terry. So that's one technique that, that clients that are getting out or new people that are getting out, they need to understand, you know, just basically how to drop the lure down to them. And then the other thing I see all the time, Terry, too, as well, is in that vertical presentation when you're ripping that bait vertically, um, one, te- one thing I see people do a lot of times is that they 
they utilize their wrist a whole bunch with that rod, Terry. So they just kind of utilize the wrist and swing that rod tip up so that it's close to them and it's vertical. The problem with that, Terry, is that then the line swings in towards the rod as you lift the rod up like that. And now, inevitably, somebody who's inexperienced with that ends up twisted on the rod tip. And twisted on the rod tip is a good way to miss a fish. It's a good way to break a rod if a big fish gets a hold of it. And it's definitely going to cause you some problems. So the other thing I work with clients when we're doing that, Terry, is I get them to use more shoulder and less wrist and get them to vertically kind of lift the rod but keeping it more parallel to the surface of the water as they lift it up, and then they follow it back down, as opposed to just swinging that rod tip up with your wrist like that. Just those two little tips right there, Terry, will dramatically improve somebody's ability to get out there and fish vertically if they've never done it before, Terry. Just doing that will dramatically improve it. Ronnie, one minute. If somebody wants to get out fishing next couple days, we either a bank or a boat, where would you go? Well, you know, it's a good time right now to head up to some of the mountain lakes. There's no doubt about that. So North Park and South Park are both fishing very, very well if you're looking to get into some trout. The cool thing about right now, Terry, is that you can kind of pick your species and kind of determine where you want to go. If you're looking for walleye, some of the lower lakes are fishing very, very well. Jackson Reservoir out east is fishing very, very well right now for pretty good-sized walleyes, Terry. Guys are catching walleyes out in Jackson that are in that five- to seven-pound range, and they're catching a lot of them out there. So Jackson's a good choice. Some of the, you know, kind of low-mid-level lakes, like you were talking Horseshoes and Carter, are both fishing really well, but they can dramatically change from day to day right now, those lakes. So those lakes are definitely ones you want to time properly. And then lakes like Boyd, you know, and some of the other kind of lower bass-oriented lakes, we're definitely seeing the fish move into the edge of the grass, that kind of thing, and we're seeing a lot of suspended fish. So you can get out there and you can kind of catch those fish as well. Fishing's going really good. But if I was going to do one thing or the other, Terry, I'd be, I'd be either heading up to North Park or I'd probably be heading out east to Jackson. Those would be my two choices, Terry. Uh, all right. We got to go, Ronnie, but great information as always. Thank you so much. All right, Terry. You have a good one. All right. Ronnie Castiglione, always great contributor, great information. One thing I do want to tell you, um, something that's going on this time of the year, too, if you're just a a weekend angler, you don't want to do a lot of sophisticated fishing or you don't have a boat, the water's cooling on all the front lake, front range lakes. They are heavily stocking. Carter was just stocked with a huge amount of trout. Go to the stocking report. You can find a link to it on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Check the lakes that have just been stocked with trout. We just got an on-the-water update from the Schreibers, who are, believe it or not, at City Park in Fort Collins. It is on fire for trout right now. And that's just an example of what's going on up and down the front range. Find that stocking report. Get out there. You can have the time of your life in great weather, and you're probably 20 minutes from your house. Make sure you join us every week, every Saturday from 9 to 11 for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Follow my column in the Denver Post. But most of all, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. It's the key to what's going on in the show, what's going on on my TV, and what's going on in my Denver Post articles. That's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And remember, next week, the director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife will join us for a full hour. You're listening to thanks. We want to say thanks to Kyle, thanks to Karen. You're listening to 104.3 The Fan.